acknowledge and say there is no silver bullet protocol you know sop it is uh you know as our commanders say this is guidance so it you 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 have to still make the decision in the moment um but killing like for a person to kill someone else for the sake of another that seems to be justified yet there's still for a christian to do that it's still you have to repent and, and say you, because you realize then and there life is not right um so i can hear you typing <laughs> yeah right in yeah, the chat um okay. so the yeah i i think that that's important yeah. i think that that's important and i think that you know i We've talked about this before, right? That, you know, as far as chivalry goes and as far as, you know, the denying of self or, you know, no greater love has any man than this mm -hmm. and that he lays down his life for his friends. When we think about a threat to our home, we naturally mm -hmm. are like, yeah, uh, something's going down, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is our natural inclination. And I think that, you know, to the point that we were talking about with Luther, that idea, you know, somebody who kills in self-defense is pretty much going to be, you know, innocent in the eyes of all men. But are they innocent in the eyes of God? Because that's something that we have even wrestled with, like talking about in the chaplain corps too, right? Like, mm -hmm. yes, we go to war and we care for soldiers' souls while they are in the act of war. But the opposition are also sinners who have an eternal resting place somewhere. Yeah. And there, there is a tension. Yeah. There is, you know, this massive kind of almost, I, I hate to call it a moral dilemma, but there is kind of a, an ethical crossroads or, you know, uh, an ethical crisis of conscience to a certain extent. Yeah spiritual crisis of conscience where you know we want to protect freedom and we want to protect peace and in doing so are oftentimes in our tradition our oh you know large c church you know tradition condemning people to hell because of that yeah you know i mean that that's that is a tension in and of itself yeah well i don't know if you came across this guy in, in Chibulwick, uh, but there's, uh, he's a, an LCMS chaplain, uh, Henry Gerke is his name. And he was, he, he spoke German. And so they used him as a, a chaplain in a POW camp mm -hmm. uh, to, to talk to, or, or not a, well, yeah, POW camp, whatever, wherever they were holding Germans. And it's interesting, and I don't remember all the details, but he would go in and have conversations with them in German because he spoke it fluently and talk about the repentance and stuff. And, and, and there was this real sense of they knew, like, what what they were confessing would be the same things that American Lutherans at that time in particular would be confessing to, like, owning up to their own sin. Sure. Now, some of them did not repent. There was one I I know for a fact that didn't that did not um, 
you know, just kind of blew them off totally. But there were like four or five others that were, they, they knew everything they'd done wrong. And they were like, where, where am I going to spend eternity? And so that's where he got to speak the gospel to mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And that's a, this is a strange reference, but there was a, a three musketeers movie that came out in the nineties. I think, uh, Kiefer Sullivan was in it. Uh, Chris O'Donnell was in it. I remember um, that one. And, uh, I do remember uh, that one. And what was, what was so, and I forget which one of the, the three, but he had wanted to become a priest, but then he didn't. And, uh, became a musketeer. And it was, it, they showed him like after he'd killed somebody, went over and he would, would pray with them mm-hmm. and stuff. Now, granted that, you know, it's kind of Roman Catholicism stuff, fine, sure. or whatever. But it was just the idea that, yeah, he understood in taking this person's life, yeah. you know, it, uh, he, he's commending that person to their eternal fate. And yeah. hopefully it's, we, we pray that our God is merciful. Well, we know that our God is merciful. And we pray that those people that, whose lives are taken that they recognize that mercy too. Yeah. But that's. Are you ready to go? (laughs) Sure. So buckle up because here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the Two Chaps Pod. This is another installment, and we've got a heavy topic tonight. I'm AJ. He's Coleman. If you haven't checked out any of our previous episodes on YouTube, make sure you go there. You can also check out longer versions, complete audios at Spotify and Apple. So check us out. Like, subscribe, rate, all that stuff, because we're dropping good content every week. And tonight is going to be... (laughs) No different, but different because we have a topic that was actually, let me introduce it this way and say it's something you and I have been discussing probably for about a month and a half, two months Mm -hmm. through text messaging, almost on a daily basis. And then one of our previous commanders shot me a text, or your previous commander, my commander now, Shot, shot me a text with a Bible verse and said, when it comes to protecting our families and seeking justice and God saying that vengeance is his, like, how do we reconcile this? And and I responded to him, funny enough, we've been having this conversation for <laughs> about two months. Yeah. And so we want to talk about that tonight. We want to talk about Christians in the military. The tension that exists between thou shalt not kill and potentially needing to kill to protect peace and freedom and family. And then we want to also jump into and dive into, on a smaller scale, what does that mean for dads? As dads are meant as the protector, as we know, starting in Genesis and creation, man was required to protect how do we reconcile those two things? It's buckle up, buckle yeah. up because it's going to get heavy. Yeah. And so we want to start broad and we want to start with that whole military idea and the Christian, and then we will narrow it down. Yeah. If it takes two parts, it takes two parts, but that's kind of where we're going to start. So let's talk like, 
Christians in the military. We both yeah. are Christians in the military. Right. How do we reconcile that? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to dodge the question first. Oh, of course. Like and... any good politician. <laughs> yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to say that this this is, in the truest sense, a discussion. Um, yeah. And there are going to be multiple sides and takes on this. And there are even going to be our own personal stances uh, and then kind of generally where, you know, any Bible-believing Christian is going to fall in a, in a, in a spectrum on that. And and that's okay uh, because it really – and the reason I'm saying I'm dodging this question is because ultimately is it, it is a decision conscience. And that's why it's very easy for some Christians to join the military and know this is what I absolutely need to do. That's why it's okay for some Christians to say, well, you know, I, I'm more of a pacifist. Now, obviously, I think there would there would be discussion that needs to, ha uh, to happen with that. And I would fall much more on the side of pacifism is not is not really something God commands. Um, but I actually at the same time, I understand certain parts of the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. Right. Blessed are the peacemakers. It, exactly. And, mm -hmm. you know, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And, you know, this this reality of uh, mm -hmm. how how do we interact with people? So all it is to say is we're going to give you our answers, but that doesn't mean they have to be your answers. Correct. And always the encouragement, and this is true of every one of our podcasts, go back to the word. Yes. Read, study, have a conversation with other Christians. And uh, us. And comment us, on yeah. the videos and we will gladly combat, comment back. Not combat. We will not combat you <laughs> if you comment. <laughs> we will comment back and, and we want to have these discussions. That's part of the um, reason why we started Uncultured Dead and, and, and started this podcast was to foster conversations that we felt were not happening. There's yeah. a lot of, you know, just too many... There's a lot of like tyranny, and this is how things need to be done instead of mm -hmm. discussing how things need to be done. And it's interesting, yeah. I think, to set kind of the stage you bringing up, you know, scripture, right? Because scripture <laughs> does say, Blessed are the peacemakers, right? Yeah. Turn the other cheek. But Jesus also told Pilate, If I were the king, I would have my followers fighting for me. Yeah. Right? So there's even a tension in that, you know. If well, I was the king of this world, or, or you know, I don't, I forget the exact quotation, but well, uh, even when he says this in in Luke, you know, uh, they say whoever you know has a sword buy two, mm -hmm. and, then, and, then goes, and then the disciples go, or, or whoever has a sword, or whoever does not have a sword buy one, and then the disciples go, look, Lord, here's two, and he goes, oh, that's enough. Now, I, I mean, there's there's more reference in things. Things are going deeper on that, but. At least on the surface, you go. Wait a second. Is is Jesus advocating for for violence? And you know. And then he also, I mean, he talks about the divisions in families. Yep. Um, you know. And and so there's this there's this strange. Well, how is how does this all fit together? And then the other thing to remember is the Jesus that is in the Gospels is the same Jesus pre-incarnate in the whole of the Old Testament. Correct. And there are numerous times uh, almost uh, frightening uh 
passages in the Old Testament where God says, no, go in, slay them White. all. Yeah. And, you know, take them all out. And there are times when God himself, um, the Passover. Yeah. And when he kills the firstborn of everything in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's this, this strange tension. And uh, again, it's going to be, no, and we have said this before, nothing in our lives as Christians can be met without first praying right. and, and recognizing that. And then uh, seeking God's wisdom in his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then after everything is said and done, still confessing to God, God, I'm a sinner. I did the best that I could. I know I failed, but your son's blood covers me. Yeah. And always returning to that. So, Yeah, it... Man, it's such an interesting thing, and and I, we both read um, we both read uh, a work from Martin Luther, "Whether Soldiers Too Can Be Saved." Yeah. Uh, we were working on that, and and I told you I'm also drawing um, from some of the just war tradition when we talk about this idea of Christian and soldiers, because uh, when I was at Chibolic, which is the uh, chaplain basic basic officer leaders course for the army. It's a requirement to become a chaplain. This was to me the most interesting section of of mm-hmm. instruction. Um, I liked the counseling, and for me, obviously, like the 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 nitty gritty army hua stuff was also very important. Um, but this was the most interesting block of instruction, and I do want to get to the the part of, that Luther talks about right in the beginning of of that book, and, and this is mm-hmm. not a book review podcast. Like we're not <laughs> sitting here and just going to quote this book from Luther in one source. But I think it's an important distinction that he makes when he talks about the idea of soldiering and whether soldiers too can be saved. He mentions right off the bat in his work that the office of a soldier is a noble thing and and there can be offices that are a noble thing and a good thing but they can be occupied by people who are not good right who are evil and therefore they become evil right and so he he makes this distinction to say he and i think he even says it's like marriage, right? Marriage is a good institution, yet there mm-hmm. are rascals and knaves within it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is hilarious wit, but but is also true because being a soldier, this idea of soldiering, I mean, I, I don't want to romanticize at all, but there is in, inherently good in the idea of a soldier. Mm-hmm. Someone who selflessly sacrifices for the good of their country right especially in in our country for Mm -hmm. all of its flaws right we're not going to sit here and and say that this is a perfect country because it's not it has flaws because it's run by flawed people but in america and specifically in the military of america it's an entirely volunteer force right now Mm. it is not conscripted it is not forced volunteerism. It is 100% a volunteer force that is fighting to protect the freedoms of the American citizens. That in and of itself is a noble office. Now, to double down on that, though, there can be people who are in those positions that are not good. If they are self-seeking, if they are, you know, 
only looking out for themselves. And and through that whole work, you kind of got the sense of if you are full of pride, you are not a good soldier. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately can be said, listen, the whole beginning of sin and the fall of man was an issue of pride. Right. And so I, I think that, that understanding that distinction, this office, but then the person who occupies it plays a part right. into whether it is a good and noble thing. Right. And and that's applicable, that concept. Obviously, we're talking about it in terms of soldiers uh, and, and the military and those who are defending uh, their their nation and even even if we get down to the community level you know yep. or the house level defending your home mm-hmm. um but but that concept of the office and the person filling that office is applicable everywhere the office of the president mm-hmm. in on paper on the con- in the constitution in our in our um you know our the way our government is structured is wonderful correct the offices of Supreme Court justice and mm-hmm. the offices of the senators and congressmen and uh, the elected officials, those are really good Correct. In, in terms of, of like how it's set up. I, I think it's the best that we've ever had in, in, in the history of the world. Um, you know, and there's some argument you go against that. But if you have those knaves and scoundrels and rascals, rascals, yeah. Uh, I love occupying. that word. <laughs> I love rascals. Call my kids rascals every once in a while. Yeah. But anyways. But if you have them occupying those offices, well, then it's not going to function. Mm-hmm. And that's... Uh, and but a, it's also true of every, I, I think, of every yeah, yeah. vocation, right? Because, Absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah. we know the pastorate is obviously a worthy vocation. Right. But if there's a rascal or knave in the pulpit, that's entirely detrimental absolutely it's a big time problem right yeah and the big difference there we're talking eternity correct when it comes to that and that's correct and so there's a more is, severe I mean, this, judgment for those that do not handle the office of pastor correctly correct for sure scripture and, we know that well and then also that it's if they're if they are self-seeking and doing those, you know, as Paul tells Timothy, that uh, those who will come up, uh, well, wolves in sheep's clothing, those yep. who come up to just scratch the ears of those who are listening, mm-hmm. that and then that's detrimental to those sheep. Correct. Um, for for their spiritual well-being, but but yeah, and there's also this isn't like, again not really our focus, but something worth mentioning. Uh, and I don't know how you guys do this in, in your congregation or in your home, but we pray every Sunday for our leaders, uh, for the president, for the governor, uh, for legislature and, you know, other magistrates and stuff. Sometimes it's by name. And but because, again, those are offices. The government is an office, generally speaking, or it's made up of offices that God has instituted for the benefit yes. of creation mm-hmm. and and to pray for them that they would carry out those offices, that they wouldn't be the knaves and scoundrels and rascals, but instead would be the noble people recognizing the gift mm-hmm. that they've been given and the service that they are to provide. You know, that's, that's really what we want of our leaders. 
Um, and that's that's really what we want of anybody that's serving in a vocation Correct. of service, which is in, in our day and time, and even back in Luther's and prior to that, but definitely ours, those in the military are in the service yes. to the nation. And so we want that to be done honorably. We want that to be done well. We want that to be done ethically, morally, all those things, because that's that's the responsibility that we have. And, it, it is. And um, one, I think that, you know, it, it's scriptural to pray for your leaders, mm-hmm. right? Again, not, not necessarily the focus, but to touch on it, right? Like Peter tells us, honor the king. Paul tells us that every human institution is established by God. Yep. So one of the things I think that we've kind of missed, specifically recently with this rise of Christian nationalism and stuff, which is a topic, an entire topic for a completely <laughs> different time. Yeah. But but this this separation of identity politics and, and mm-hmm. in a sense too, identity Christianity. That mm-hmm. has has been well. This is who I identify with, and therefore those opposed are the enemy. Right. When Christ, when when Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and Paul filled with the Holy Spirit says, just because you might identify with one party and the president's a different party, you still yeah. honor the king. Right. You still have him established by God. And guess what? Yeah. God's never surprised by election results. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So and and I, I think that that is important. But then for the Christian that is looking at military service or for an outsider that's looking at military service and says, well, God says thou shalt not kill. But yet you're going off to war mm-hmm. to kill. I mean, you're not going over to war to have tickle <laughs> fights with the enemy. Right. How do I... we reconcile that tension? Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you're bringing up that this is instituted by god yes and this is i I mean romans 13 is is kind of the uh you know most quoted yeah quoted and and, and well known recognized recognized thank you Uh, words are hard tonight (laughs) um you have no idea But that, that's the most recognized in terms Correct. of talking about the, the sword, the vo- what we call the vocation of the sword, the government, yep. those, those, who, those who are set in authority to punish mm-hmm. evil and wrongdoing. Yeah. But I think that in, I think that, that, that Paul is drawing on that from, as he does with just about everything in Romans, from the creation story of how God yep. has set up things and ordered things. And so... You know, you go back to when God creates Adam and Eve, and when God gives Adam a specific role or specific mm-hmm. roles um, in the garden to take care of the garden, to cultivate creation, to take care of his wife. And have dominion and, over it. Exactly. To mm-hmm. have that rule in service. It's not right. a... It's not a uh, Tyr- it, tyranny. It, it, ty- yeah. Yeah, tyranny. Uh, ty- tyranny. Um yeah, it, it is not a rule in that way. It's a rule of this is God's gift to you. Mm-hmm. Steward it. Exactly. Steward. Mm-hmm. That great, great word. And that's, you know, that ties into our military side too. And the Army has recognized this by calling one of our uh, 
things is being a steward of the profession. But yes, we'll touch on that a little later. But in the beginning, when God gives this stewardship responsibility to Adam and to Eve, embedded in that is the protection of life in general. Because again, life is God's gift. He is the author of life. And so the one who literally breathed life into man, like that's so significant. Yes. So and, significant. And, and then promises that man and woman will have life together because the be fruitful and multiply. Create more life. Ex exactly. Yes. And so when you start to realize that and how obviously how valuable God treats life, how I mean, not to get the over-politically charged word, but the sanctity of life. Yep. I mean, the sanctity of life is all of it and, mm -hmm. and the preservation of it so that the creation can flourish. And so when you, when you see that starting to play out in the beginning, for, or that, that that's from embedded the, in yeah. creation from, from the very beginning, then you start to realize why the commandment, thou shalt not kill, becomes so important, but then also why... There is a protection that is set up for God's people, for the creation, that you know, mankind itself has to squash the, the evildoer. Um, you know. and, and I think that's a clear point that has to be made, right? Because when we talk about, again, over overly politicized word, sanctity of life, we do mean the protection of life. Like, mm -hmm. and that's not white people, color, like any type of other people. It's not Americans versus non-Americans. It's life. Yeah. But yet there is, you know, countless examples in the Old Testament of God's people going to war with other nations because those nations were evil. Right. And I think that this is a very... Um, poignant place to understand there is a difference between good and evil. Mm -hmm. And protection of life means protecting the good. Yeah. Standing for the good. And that's why, you know, we've had even this discussion about this neo-nihilism that it's kind of running rampant where we've kind of replaced morally good and evil with right. the protection of rights. Right. Correct. And and that's a very dangerous place to be because then the waters get murky between who has the yes. right to live and who does not have the it, right to live. Absolutely. And being the arbiter of who has the right to live and who <laughs> doesn't have the right to live is not our job as humans. Yep. That is quite literally God's <laughs> job who says... I will destroy whom I will destroy, or I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, mm -hmm. right? And and so that's why it's very clear that we do not, or very important that we do not lose that distinction between good versus evil. Mm -hmm. It's, and I well, always, I always, when I talk about good and evil, I always have to remind everybody that I'm talking to. Good and evil are also not equal and opposite forces right. because we believe in a creator God who is the supreme being of the universe, sovereign over all, and he is good. Mm -hmm. Evil 
is still subject to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the clearest example of that is when the sons of God gathered around the throne in the book of Job, and Satan, the, you know, the embodiment of yeah. evil, had to present himself to. Mm-hmm. And nothing was allowed to be done by Satan that was not permissible by God, who mm-hmm. is the good sovereign of the universe. Yeah. Well, and that's another tying in with the, the fall and, and the creation. Evil is always a corruption of good. Mm-hmm. It is never... Evil cannot create. It can only no. corrupt. And, and God destroy. alone creates. Or, or, correct, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's and that's where this concept of justice and and well and the concept of just war that you were mentioning comes into play because there has to be these things have to take place Mm -hmm. in or uh, on the grounds of good yes because if it doesn't then it's that it's corrupted into evil We've quoted it before, but this is the perfect opportunity to quote Tolkien again, where he <laughs> yeah. says that war must be. And while we defend our lives against a destroyer who would devour all, ultimately evil, if you think about it that way, I do not love the, the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only which that which they defend. Yeah. And that which they are defending, the soldiers that are taking their oath of office or enlistment and saying, you know, I pledge myself selflessly to this cause is defending what is good. Yeah. And And the reality of that also is because this is... I know the Christian nationalism thing is a whole nother discussion. Yeah, yeah. But this goodness is not just understood by Christians. This is, again, going back to the creation, embedded in God's law. It's embedded in his design for creation. So as Romans 1 tells us, all people uh, have, they have the law written on their hearts so they can recognize good and evil correct uh, and you know it's only when they start to well they they give themselves over to their depraved minds and their uh sinful natures hmm. which is where the church comes in and says hey that's sin repent of it but that's when this this blurring of good and evil comes in but just on a a, a, a generally speaking everyone knows hey people that live and living in peace that's a pretty good thing yeah and and all people are going to want to abide with that because Uh, blessed are the peacemakers yeah which is why i think throughout human history and ethic ethics books that have been written and morality books that have been written i mean from the time of aristotle and and mm -hmm. all those guys they have purported this idea of there being something called just war Mm -hmm. a a war that is just or in essence a war that is necessary Mm -hmm. right um and and we talked about and i don't want to spend a lot of time but one of the things i found very interesting when talking about just war 
is this idea of war going into a war with the right spirit meaning having calculated all the costs understanding the demands but then and this is a reference to one of the documents from you know the United States chaplain corps army chaplain corps but they called it, it that going to war must be viewed as a regrettable necessity mm-hmm. that it is something that you don't necessarily jump at the opportunity but it right. is a last resort necessity in order to protect what is good mm-hmm. options have been weighed count or costs have been counted and here we are yeah right we 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 regret that we have to go but we have to go and we have to fulfill a mission in order to protect what is good yeah and and i think at the at the the basic core of of us as army chaplains as everyone who would be an American citizen, or maybe you're not an American citizen, and you look at the ideals of what America stands for, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom of assembly, right? Just the First Amendment alone, in mm-hmm. and of itself, is good to protect. Yeah. And so I, I, like, yeah, we don't necessarily want to go to war, but there sometimes is a regrettable necessity in in which to pick up arms yeah and to for christians in particular to understand that's a noble thing to do mm-hmm. and i think you know uh with what, what you were talking about with luther and that the piece that we read with the office and the man mm-hmm or who is filling that office, particularly for a soldier, to recognize being a soldier, being a defender of an, a, a nation, even, even, and this is even getting down to defending your house, that there is something good and noble about that because it is the goodness that this nation, this people group should be uh, partaking in uh, peace is really the the big thing because I I just think that speaks so generally to everyone because I don't care if you're a Christian Muslim atheist you know Buddhist whatever peace and the the ability to just go out and breathe the air without fear of you know being being killed uh, to go be able to conduct commerce with someone uh, of any race, any nationality, any religion, whatever. And to do that w- without the the thought of, you know, somebody's going to come in here and blow us up or kill us or whatever. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's this idea of peace that just drives everything. Well, it's scriptural and, 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 too, right? Live well, peaceably yeah. with one another. <laughs> right. <laughs> it can't be more clear than that, but, yeah. There are, I, I think, as you know, Tolkien says in his quote, there are destroyers that look to devour all. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones who need to be stood against. Mm-hmm. Right? When, when you know, you look at the wars throughout even American history, right? The the Civil War that took place. There, I mean, it depends on what part of the country you're from, obviously. But, <laughs> like... The North fighting the South, there was a just reason for the North going to war. Mm-hmm. 
there was a protection and amendments that came out of that that granted citizenship to human beings, yeah. right? Like that is a just cause. You think about um, the greatest generation going off to World War II, which I had two great uncles that fought in that war, and I did. You had family that fought in that war too, both, correct? Both my grandfathers. Yeah. Both your grandfather, like. There's honor in what they did because of what they were fighting against. Mm -hmm. And it was necessary, maybe regrettably necessary, as the chaplain corps would say, but it was necessary that good prevailed over what was occurring in Germany. Yeah. And I don't think anybody could rightly argue against that. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, uh, uh, yeah. And we think about that that's the legacy that we are supposed to uphold. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, we've talked about this in other places as well, that, you know, we're not, and if you haven't picked up on it, we're not really following the the nurture, care, honor uh, format tonight. Uh, but the, when we, when we have talked about honor before, it's like, what's the ongoing legacy that goes Correct. with that? And to realize that our, our grandfathers or great uncles, um, that generation fought what was at that time an evil that had never been seen, at least on the scale like that. And at least in they, the Western world, right? Because you had like Eastern Asian like atrocities that took place previous true. to that, but like, yeah. You know, Mongols and all that conquering, like, entire lands. But, yeah, yeah, the extermination of a people group group, is completely different. Yeah. And so to recognize that this was absolutely necessary, and I think even then, I mean, I I don't think there's (laughs) – the the regrettably necessary component to war is – the cost that there will right. be for that. But, right. and, and this goes back to the, to the Luther um, thing that we were reading, because he talks about yet all, almost, and this is paraphrasing yet. If that, if we did not pay that cost, how much evil would per, per, prevail? Prevent. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, to realize that, th- that this, there is that component to having a force ready to defend and 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 that's the other thing is uh, and I don't remember who said this but I, I want to say it was Thomas Paine but talking about offensive it, it, the quote is something like offensive war is murder but am I to let someone come in and rob my house and rape my wife without fighting against them and and the whole point that he was making is war at, from defense side defending what Tolkien's talking about what what is loving which that which they defend defend yeah yeah that is completely justified so to realize that that's a good institution from God that this because it is for the preservation of life for the preservation of peace and that there are people that need to step up and do this and to realize that as Christians, and this is a, maybe a weird way to look at it, but I know I know from my personal experience, because I, I had this conversation with my dad, 
when I told him I was going to Iraq, he was like, are you ready for this? And it's like, dad, yeah, because I'm a Christian. If I die, I know where I'm going. Yeah. And so I would rather it be me over there instead of someone else that that isn't ready. isn't prepared for that. Yeah. yeah. Um so and granted that doesn't mean that's not necessarily a motivation for everyone. It's probably not even, like the best in terms no, of motivation. No, but I think it logically makes sense, right? And mm-hmm. it speaks to that uh you said it earlier in in this podcast itself. Like as a Christian, there is a nobility to serving your country in war. Mm-hmm. Right? Especially when we think like the you know, I've been teaching First Peter to our men at church, and so that that language of First Peter that he continuously uses, exiles and sojourners, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. when we think about our time on earth as Christians, being as an exile, mm-hmm. being as someone where this is not our home, that we are just sojourners that are passing through, essentially biding our time for the hope that is waiting for us in heaven. Mm-hmm. There is a nobility to a sense of saying, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand for good. I'm gonna yep. protect good. I'm gonna right. be the one on the front lines if necessary to yep. stand against evil because ultimately evil devours and destroys, but good brings life. Yeah, and the only one who is truly good brings eternal life. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So let's kind of pivot then, because you've kind of already talked about it with the Thomas Paine quote, I think, is who you thought it was. So I'm thinking that you're thinking and whatever. But we talk (laughs) about that idea of defense. And so we've talked about this on a broad scale, right, of of Christians being in the military and how to reconcile that tension of thou shalt not kill, but yet evil should not be allowed to persist. So if we bring that to a more... I guess, localized scale mm-hmm. or a, a smaller scope, if you will, like as a dad, it is naturally ingrained in us to protect. Yeah. No matter what the situation is. We were in Chicago a few weeks ago and guess who was constantly looking around always <laughs> me, uh, yeah. right? Cause I've got three kids and a wife whom I love yeah. dearly. Mm-hmm. And nothing is going to harm them if I can prevent it, right? Yeah. It's naturally ingrained in us, which is why the failure of Adam in the garden was so big. We're going to get to that. Yeah. As dads, and we know that Romans, Paul talks about vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Yeah. How do we reconcile then seeking justice and protection for our families, knowing that ultimately God is in control. Does that leave us the ability to defend our homes if necessary? And I know there's a bunch of men going, darn right it does, right? But I think there's a nuanced discussion that exists here. Yeah. Because maybe it's not what we think. Yeah. Well, easy, our favorite, maybe this should be like our motto verse, Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church mm-hmm. and gave himself up. Correct. So there is definitely the call of you give everything that 
is in you for the sake of your wife mm-hmm. and for your family. 100%. Um, and so if that means someone is invading your home or is threatening your wife and your children, you are to be the barrier. Mm-hmm. And if that costs you your life, that's what God put you there for. And, you know, you you, you never hope that any of those situations, you, you, you hope that those situations never come about. Correct. Um, and this relates back to our courage discussion, but you have to be prepared for that to be able to step up and, and do that. Now, and the, the, the question, though, is to what extent can I retaliate against that? And this is a, and this is a quandary. And I'm still thinking through this, and I kind of go back and forth. That's why we're having this discussion. We're just going to flesh it out right here. You will have a conclusion tonight. (laughs) Uh, You you will you will have a framework or thoughts. No, I meant you will have a conclusion Uh, tonight. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I. It's so tough, right? Because like my initial thought is, if I have somebody. Trying to get into my home, I know where the gun's at. Right. Right? Yeah. But is that the proper response? Right. And and that is that's what's tough. And I mean, you know, to weasel your way out of it, I guess, okay, yeah. Hypoth- hypothetically, I'd shoot him in the leg. I mean, it, well, because it's also, what are they threatening with? You know, if somebody breaks into your home and they have a gun... Well, they've already said this is this is life and death, mm-hmm. and so that might be the level to which you have to escalate respond yeah. for the protection of your wife and your kids. But here's the, and this is where and I I get it hypotheticals. They're hypotheticals, so whatever. But they they at least stir the discussion. Somebody breaks into your home. You're the only one that's home. Is it right to take Def- their life if they are threatening yours? Because at that point, you're the only one that's being threatened, Correct. your life. But, and, and again, it's not scripture, but what we read from Luther said, you know, self-defense is never going to be seen as guilt in the eyes of men. However, correct. we're not really concerned about the eyes of men. Would God consider us a murderer at that point? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and this is where this is where the tension is for me, Mm -hmm. right? But I think that you made a very good point, and I think that it's something that you could draw on to an extent. I am always the type of person that would rather be overprepared for a situation than clearly underprepared for a situation, <laughs> meaning I don't want to go into a gunfight with a knife. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be the one holding the gun and decide whether it's time to use it or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I just, like, I really struggle with this. And here's the thing, too. I, I want to be very clear about this. I think, and you've used the term hypothetical, and I think that that's a very good word because hypothetically, we are all Captain America. Nice shirt, by the way. (laughs) Um, When put in that situation, how many of us would respond like Captain America? Mm -hmm. 
I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I would like to think in my mind that I am tactically rounding a corner, gun first, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. shooting to kill as you're supposed to do, correct? Yeah. But then I hear things from, like, Navy SEALs and Special Forces people that, like, the best defense is escape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I... I don't know. It, it's always like we listen, we've listened to Jocko. I've read some books like Raising Boys by a former Navy SEAL. And they're like, listen, you don't want to engage. Yeah. If you can escape, escape. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I think that that honestly, like specifically in the hypothetical that you set up, if it's you home alone and someone's in your house, like what is the point of being a hero at that point? Right. Like, let's be also smart about this. Let's do what is necessary to um, the old football phrase for a quarterback. When the blitz is coming and the coverage is good, live to play another down. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's almost, I mean, it's apropos to this situation because, like, and maybe this is maybe this is the answer, right, in a way. And I know that I'm kind of rambling, but I'm just working <laughs> through this in my yeah, mind a little bit. Yeah. But but maybe this is the answer because at at the end of the day if it's a one-on-one situation what is the selfless sacrifice that is taking place what is mm-hmm. the heroism in a way not that it's about being a hero but what is the purpose of that when the clear opportunity presents itself to escape yeah like if i can go out my window and run to my neighbor's house i'm okay right. take whatever you want i don't care i'm yeah. alive right Right. To serve my family the next day. Right. And I think that that has to be the clear, you know. Right. You get, you get jumped on the street, I wouldn't just say lay there and take it. Like, you yep. might want to fight back in order to create to, an escape. Yeah. Right? But can we, like, we we do this as men, I think, way too often is we are legends in our own mind. <laughs> yeah. Where we're like, oh, this guy's breaking in. I've got my Kevlar vest and my gun yeah. ready to go, right? And it's like, right. just how about the window? Yeah. And that doesn't make you any less of a man to escape. Yeah. Right. I don't know. That was a long rant to say. I think I've come to a conclusion on this that, like, defending the family is one thing. Defending yourself so- is right. a little bit of a different thing. Yeah. And that is... And again, we're not going to know until we're in that situation. Correct. And you just pray that that situation never happens. Yes. Um, and I can uh, tell you right now, I would probably run first. Yeah. I well, I, I, I just I, know that I would, right? Like, yeah. I just, I got scared playing paintball when I was 13. <laughs> I'm probably running if somebody well, breaks into my house. Yeah. And, and there is a sense of, and this goes, and, and, and again, this goes back to, what God has instituted, there are people who are deputized to act mm-hmm. on behalf of the law, good, uh, and use lethal force force if necessary. And that's, I, I mean, that's another thing. And you know that we don't. I I, I would say one conclusion definitely is we never take the law into our own hands. Yeah, we, we are not Batman. We, we are, we, yeah, we are not Batman. We're not vigilantes. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not 
Nor the, should we be. No, correct. Absolutely. We are not authorized to do that in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to get a hold of those who are authorized to do that and, you know, in, in a sense, pass the buck to them if 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 it is possible, you know, and let that. And I know get into whatever with justice, but there is a sense of things have been set up. Inst- government institutions and all that stuff have been set up by God. We have them established in our country for a particular reason. Let that do its job. Yes. And again, I get it. Knaves, scoundrels, and rascals can occupy all of those positions and the whole thing can be corrupt. I I understand that. Yes. But at least the office and and, and the expectation that those things will be carried out properly. Yeah. We ought to hold to that and endorse that mm-hmm. because that's really what we want for all people. And if, especially if it does work right and becomes a deterrent to those who would want to commit heinous acts, mm-hmm. um, you know, then and, and then that that order and peace can flourish. Yes. Because if if it's the other way and, there, and the, the maybe this is a point by counter example or yeah. That because it's if it's if it's the other way if it's every man every man for himself, it's anarchy. It, it, exactly, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, and and that would be uh, going back to the to the Luther piece. That's the one thing that he could not stand for was rebellion and anarchy. Yeah, like one leading to another. Yeah, is, it was he and and this is you know part of the history in his thinking, the peasants' revolt. That happened. Um, lo- longer story, but I'll summarize it as quickly and uh, inaccurately as possibly. Can. No. Uh, there were uh, questions about. So there were peasants that had problems with the prince, and they wanted to know what should be done. And Luther didn't really quite respond to him uh, at first, and they took it upon themselves to revolt against the princes. Luther told the princes, you've got to establish order. They went and they slaughtered, I don't know, Mm -hmm. 25,000 or something like that. Yeah. And Luther regretted that because of the loss of life. But he also understood that's the the role of the sword is to quell those rebellions Mm -hmm. and to, and he, and, and that's what, I mean, that's what he believed wholeheartedly. Uh, so anything that was re- rebelling, I mean, he took the Romans 13 to heart that these things have been instituted by God. And so to rebel against what has been instituted by God, even if they are wicked, mm-hmm. is to say, God, we don't trust your authority. We don't want to, we don't trust your provisions in Correct. in this regard. Go ahead. Finish. Uh, so it, it just rebellion and anarchy taking the law into our own hands is a completely out of the, out of the question. It, it yeah. cannot ever be that way. I mean, to call it what it is, it is sin. Well, yeah. That needs to be <laughs> yeah. repented of. Right. Man, that's what it is. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. 
Okay. And then I'm going to follow it up with a explanation of why I asked you the question and then ask you another question to foster this conversation a little bit further because I just had a thought pop in my mind and I want to I want to bounce it off of you. Okay. Our jobs as husbands and dads is to what? We've talked about this numerous times. Provide and protect. Provide, protect, love, serve, bring, right? Yep. Okay. That is our responsibility. And we believe that is our God-given responsibility, order of creation, that when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, that is what he commanded that Adam do by having dominion over creation and actually gave Adam and Eve dominion over creation. Mm -hmm. Okay? Love, protect, serve, train, right? Provide. Provide. If that is our duty... If that is our responsibility, if that is our God-given occupation, and here's my question, we should then be doing everything we can, regardless of any hypothetical situation we can come up that defense would be necessary, doing everything we can to protect that, Mm -hmm. correct? So what I mean by asking that question is this. That gives us our answer in a lot of ways of defending Mm -hmm. our home. If our family is present and there is a threat, we are the protector. If our family is not present and there is a threat, we have to protect our God-given occupation to protect them, which means living another day. Agree or disagree? Agree. Because okay. that is the... That was a very, very lengthy, <laughs> nice elaboration. I yeah. really appreciate... I was trying to set you up there, and well, I got I, one word. You got... It was a, it was, the question was agree or disagree. Agree. Okay, and then my teacher brain is going, <laughs> tell me why. Elaborate. I, I was always told, answer the question. And that was... that was That's a, a more wise words. That was something I learned in, in seminary is... Answer the question. Yeah. You know, that's uh, so. That's okay. A, I so was agree that. or disagree? Agree. Now tell me and, why. <laughs> okay. There's because, the teacher. Be, because of, of what you said, that God has placed you in this role in particular. And you, in a sense, need to be able to do that the next day until the day that God calls you home. And again, does this push up against, well, what if it's God's intent to call you home by having someone break into your house and kill you? Whatever. Yeah, this is I mean, death by a thousand paper cuts of hypothetical right. situations exactly. here. Exactly. So, 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 yeah, you, you can't really think about that. You have to think in the concrete. Okay. Okay. The, good. I was about to is, say, yes, you have to think in the concrete. We know yeah. what God has commanded us to do. To do. Exactly. Not theoretically calling us home by yes okay correct continue so it is it is my vocation is to protect and provide and love and serve and train my family as the husband as the father and so my responsibility is to make sure i can do that and that is true yes on on so many different ways as well that's like finding work yeah you know if you know whatever my you know, I'm a pastor, so it would be something the church blew up, whatever, and all of a sudden I have no no source of income to provide for my family. Well, all right, McDonald's is hiring for fourteen dollars an hour. Yeah. That's a start. And you know, that 
then and then I know where I can go to get food for them. Where I know that I can go, which to is get... ironically the same place you got your hypothetical <laughs> right, job. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but but to to realize that whatever whatever the situation is, those are those are my priorities. Mm-hmm. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for it. Well, that means you're going to go to whatever extent and whatever things are necessary to get to to do that for your family. And the other thing with that and I I know I struggle with this personally is trusting that God is going to is going to provide for you. You know, I the and why I say I struggle with that is there's a part of my mind that's always going to worst case scenarios contingencies whatever. Right. Forgetting that God has called other Christians to help take care of me and my family. And not only has God called other Christian, but God uses other even unbelievers and, and pagans in the world to continue to provide things that I need and opportunities that that I need. And so there's a, 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 a where that ends up going is to not stand on your pride and say, I've got to figure this all out on my own, but to be humble enough to say, okay, God, here's the situation I'm in. I need your help and I need you to give me the wisdom to find that help elsewhere. And, you know, because he's God, he's good and he's merciful and he's gracious and he's giving. He usually inspires through by the Holy Spirit in others in an outpouring of love. That's, we've hit on this and many other topics and I realize we're getting way far afield on this, but that's also the importance of the community of the church being together for each other. So, but I mean, that's ultimately what protecting we're doing, right? Is we are protecting the community. We're protecting the good of the community. And that is incumbent upon men. I mean, that is part of our responsibility. And to be honest with you, I know this has been a conversation that we've had, over you know the last few months and it's probably a conversation that's going to continue though i think we've made some really good headway tonight <laughs> to be honest with you hypothetical situations or no, not yeah. i think that we've done a really good job of kind of fleshing out I, what this yeah. means like the difference between playing the hero and protecting what you're called to protect yeah. like that is so so important but we also want to hear your thoughts on this too so make sure wherever you're listening or wherever you're watching this from make sure you're commenting on it below so that we can engage in that conversation what do you think about this are you a man that thinks that you can play the hero in in the chance that you may not get to protect your family after that tell me why i want to know i want to hear from you and i know that coleman does too But that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Two Chaps Pod. If you want full audio, I know on YouTube we give you part one and part two to try to keep the videos shorter. If you want full audio, make sure you check out Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Rate us on there, like us on there, make sure that you subscribe there. Also make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on all social media accounts where we are dropping content and uh, shorter even videos um, than this. We appreciate every single one of you. I'm AJ. 
He's Coleman. We are from Uncultured Dad and the Two Chaps Pod, and we want to remind you to always stay uncultured. And I think that went pretty darn good. I kind of, I know we like to nurture care honor, but I think it flows so much better when we don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll hear from some people on Spotify and Apple that are listening to this extra little bit of of, um, audio, but I I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think the, the kind of free flow in terms of we don't have to hit no but we had two this, big buckets that this, we wanted to hit and we hit them yeah and yeah and i do i do think i i would be and if for people that are still listening you know like i said i i i have my sort of answer mm-hmm. but i know there are people out there that are smarter than i am that are more experienced than i am correct um they i, I would I, and so their wisdom would be appreciated Correct. as well. And that's yeah, we're always is, looking for wisdom. I yeah. really am curious what Doctor Beerman would say about this. So, I haven't finished Holy Citizens. On no, it. neither have I. And I, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he gets into that. But Discuss I know, okay. yeah, I know. In terms of, in terms of the, the sword, the vocation of the sword, and the authority of the sword has been given. He would be. Hundred percent behind it. Yeah, for sure. What I would, what I would want to know, and because I don't know that there's that he has a, um, a, 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 a stated <laughs> opinion on the position. Or, yeah, uh, on you know what is the responsibility of the dad in mm-hmm. the household? But but I do think that what you, I think I'm, the, I think I've made my conclusion on this. Like yeah. what I asked you where I, I, I feel very confident in the fact like if I am in a position where it is just me, my duty is to protect my vocation of protecting my family and leading yeah. and serving them, which means doing everything that I can to escape for another day. Right. That's like I almost am like convinced of that at this point. Yeah. That well, if it's if it's family related and there's a threat there, then absolutely I'm I'm protecting them with everything that I have. But if it is if my family is not there, then yeah. I need to make sure that I'm there for them tomorrow. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think and I don't like, know if this is not this even is, a question at this point anymore. Like I yeah. I'm like done sold on that. Like yeah. Well, and I I I wonder I, I don't know if this is a one for one comparison i mean it's not but there's there i think there are elements that are definitely if a fire breaks out in your home mm-hmm. you know recognizing that that is a threat that will take your life and the thing to do is escape is get out of there get yeah. your family out of there and as men the priority is first getting your family out um you know that there was a, a, a CW two when I was in North Carolina at, at Bragg that died in a house fire or died from inhalation uh, uh, inhalation because he got his two daughters out mm-hmm. of the house. Um, you know, so realizing that that's the the responsibility that we have, um, and I would say the same thing is true for 
a home invasion of some sort is you you do what you can to protect your family get them out get them safe get them to wherever and then you know uh, it the uh, you oh there's an army term that I just learned and it's but it's it's basically to delay the enemy so that you can create trade uh, distance for time kind of thing anyway I think it's good yeah. I, I think that was a really really good discussion yeah. I, I don't know I like I can I can feel very confident in saying I kind of know my answer at this point yeah. and I don't even really think it's up for discussion anymore like I, mm -hmm. I feel like we fleshed that out even the even the military thing about it being a noble um you know, fighting for what is good versus evil as opposed to rights, right? Like, I thought that right. that's such an important distinction. Well, yeah, the one one thing, you, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, and because the word rights just came to, and I didn't even think to talk about this. As you were questioning, you know, if I do this, how can I, what, what can I, how can I stand before God? Mm -hmm. Luther makes a distinction in there um, and it's right at the very beginning, if I remember correctly, that it is, it, you know, in the first, uh, no, but he talks about external righteousness. Yeah, here it is. In the second place, I want you to understand that here I am not speaking about the righteousness that makes men good in the sight of God. Only, Only faith in Jesus Christ yes. can do that. I read that, yeah. Um, but rather, I am speaking here about external righteousness, which is to be sought in offices and works. Mm -hmm. In other words, to put it plainly, I am de dealing here with such questions as these, whether the Christian faith, by which we are counted righteous before God, is compatible with being a soldier. Yeah. So, you know, he, he recognizes there is this separation in that the righteousness that has to happen in the world does not do anything before God that Correct. only faith in Christ. And mm -hmm. I, I do think for, for especially for Christians, but for anyone who is suffering in conscience because of if they've lived through something like this, if they were in Iraq or in Afghanistan and they went through this and they're still struggling with it, that that guilt, that shame, that whatever that still eats at you, Christ has paid for it. Yeah, Christ is covered. Correct, and that moral injury—that was another part of the just yes. war that we talked about. Like that moral mm -hmm. injury that exists because of, you know, guilt from whatever you have Failing done. To do what was supposed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the blood of Christ. Exactly. You know, and I don't know. Very interesting. All right, let's sign off. Thank you to everybody that is still listening. Hopefully, you've liked and subscribed to our. Spotify and Apple. We will see you guys next week. Hey everybody, just want to thank you once again for spending some time with the Two Chaps Pod today. If you're on YouTube, make sure that you've liked and subscribed to our channel. Pound that bell for notifications so you can be notified when our latest content drops. If you're on social media, we are all over the place, including the brand new threads from Meta. And I do want to remind you, for longer content, including pre-show and post-show audio, 
Make sure you've subscribed on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the Two Chaps Pod. And until then, stay uncultured.